You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Greg Cupney, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted, and it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Thanks for pressing play on this episode of the Two and Out CFL podcast. It's Travis Curra and it's Sheldon Jones as we get you ready for Week 16 of the CFL season. Although uh, I I gotta say sorry for your loss, man. A tough week in the Jones household as a longtime family member crossed the Rainbow Bridge earlier this week. Yeah, our little cat snowball. Yeah, tell us yeah, about it. He's the coolest cat ever. He's snuggly. <laughs> he's purring all the time. He, yeah, he was the best. He just had a little disease in his bladder and had a bad blockage. We could have spent a whole lot of money for it. To yeah, a chance to come back and just that's not a life. So yeah, it's always a tough decision, but uh, the memories they give us are uh, what we always hang on to. So thanks for being here and this tough week for you, man. I always love talking ball with you, and I don't know if you've seen this fundraiser that's happening for the Make-A-Wish Foundation in BC. I'm blown away by this, the fact that Wally Buono has never sat in the stands (laughs) to watch a CFL game. And coming up next Friday... At BC Place, you have an opportunity, if you win this auction, to sit in the stands with Wally Buono and his daughter, Christy, as she is the chapter director for the BC and Yukon Make-A-Wish Foundation. Uh, I love this. Pre-game sideline passes, two signed Wally Buono jerseys, and, of course, getting to watch the game with him. I probably wouldn't say anything because I would be scared of sounding like an idiot. Although, I will say that my wife and I both met Wally uh, at the Grey Cup in Edmonton five years ago. He was so kind, so generous with his time. He asked us our names, asked us how we were doing. He's a living legend in the Canadian Football League. And, hey, it's for a good cause. And I just love uh, that somebody's going to have this opportunity next week. Yeah, man, I I certainly can't afford to bid yeah. whatever the winner is going to be. But, um just to be able to sit and, and talk football with that mind and like it's that would be incredible. Like I have such good memories of Wally always, you know, hating him and telling him yelling to get off the field like that old mosaic when when he would be, you know, halfway on the field and we get the Wally chance going. And then after he kinda retired, he would always sit like just north or just above us in, in Taylor Field there in oh. the box. That was like the visiting team's box. So we would always turn around and chant Wally at him, and he would just love. He loved it. He would just wave back. He he's a class guy. I think it kind of went on in uh, Regina the relationship with Ryder fans and Wally Buono, and also Henry Burris. It uh, I think it started as sort of anger rivalry, but then it became out of respect. <laughs> like <laughs> we got to do something to try to rattle him. <laughs> yeah, well, I I think that's how it kind of always goes. Like. 
like I think they're the villains, but then they get yeah. long enough there. And it like if you look at wrestling, it's like Cena, right? Everyone, all the adults hated Cena. The kids love Cena, but then now we all love Cena just because we know what he's done for the business, right? So same thing for Wally. Uh, whoever gets to do that, I'm very jealous. <laughs> I, I remember I went to a uh, Monday Night Raw. This was years ago. It was in Edmonton. And, you know, the whole, let's go, Cena. And then all the adults, (laughs) Cena sucks. There was this kid uh, next to me going, let's go, Cena. And I would go, Cena sucks. And then he started, like, directing his chants at me. So (laughs) I'm, like, battling with a nine-year-old in the stands. His dad ends up high-fiving me. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the fun Uh, you could have at wrestling events. Oh. Remember when we went to Raw and then the people thanked us after for all the chants we were doing and <laughs> making the show for them? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I can't wait till we get to do it again, possibly in Philadelphia, and hopefully the great one shows up. Uh, let's start <laughs> with week 16 as the Ottawa Red Blacks are home to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, a place where the Riders haven't won since 2017. And if I actually look at the schedule, the Riders haven't been in uh, Ottawa post-pandemic. So it's been a while since they've made a trip to the nation's capital. And things were a bit fiery at Red Black's practice. I guess there was a fight on Wednesday. Tim Baines uh, reporting that. Um, Bob Dice saying basically he was a young guy uh, not understanding that maybe we take it a little bit easier on day three of practice (laughs) and uh, the vets didn't like it too much, but they are still fired up at this point of the season, seven game losing streak. And and this is funny because I look at posts from both fan bases on social media and they're both expecting to lose. (laughs) I don't think it's good for the teams to go in with that mindset, but (laughs) I, I think no. this game could go either way. Oh, I think it can too, especially when you look at all the injuries that the Riders have and all the star players that are going to be out. Um, I think Red Blacks fans are like, at least the social media fans, it's like they're, they're sounding like Rider fans, to be honest. Like, <laughs> or old Ottawa Rough Rider fans, them. maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If X was around back then. Uh, but, like, I feel for them because, you know, when you when you have a devastating loss like last week and you think you you think you're gonna win and then and then it, you haven't won in so long it's just I get it I feel for them because we know what it's like right we've we've had lots of lean years here in Ryderville so um, Ottawa got lucky their fans got lucky when they had a you know a hot start and winning a Grey Cup second or third year in the league and or new yeah back in the league and it's just. We'll see what happens because, yeah, I think it's a coin flip right now, to be honest. You mentioned the injury problems for the Rough Riders, and the injury problems were part of the reason why they struggled to stop the run in the second half against the Elks. And lately, the the Red Blacks have been really focusing on the run, and I think this just screams of another rushing attack, especially at the banged-up Rough Rider defense. Deontay Williams... Uh, defensive back, Miles Brown on the D-line, Anthony Lanier the second on the D-line. They're out, and Pete Robertson is questionable. Three big bodies that possibly aren't going to be playing Friday night. 
it just screams as a Devontae Williams game. Since the beginning of August, he's averaged 13 carries a game. And over the last two, he's had 35 carries. This feels like they're going to be running right at the Riders. Well, and why wouldn't they? Because look what happened last week against Edmonton. Edmonton had like 250 yards rushing yeah. more. Like, so, and, and I get it. We had, the Riders had three defensive linemen get hurt. And so when you don't have the bodies there and it, it looks like, like they just signed a glo- a new global player in, on the D line and he's probably going to be like playing a significant amount, wow. I would assume. And that's, uh, that's either going to go really, really good or really, really bad. Uh, so yeah, if I'm, if I'm Ottawa, I see that glaring weakness that, has been there and I'm going to try to exploit it. Now, the more I speak out loud, the more I want to make change my fantasy lineup to get Dustin crumb in there. He's got eight rushing touchdowns on the year. That's uh, good enough for the league lead. So could he push one or two in against the rough rider defense on Friday night? Now, Ottawa's rush defense is incredible themselves. They're second in the CFL to the Ottawa Red Blacks or Toronto Argonauts in that department. The Riders haven't had too much success running the ball this season, uh, even though kind of thought it would be. It was a strength of the team, I thought, over the past couple seasons with kind of the, the dual threat of Jamal Morrow and Frankie Hickson, although this year haven't seen much of... Frankie Hickson, but it does look like this week he's going to get an opportunity because Jamal Morrow has been ruled out. Frankie Hickson looks to be getting the start for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but not an easy task against that Ottawa Red Blacks front. No, uh, they're going to have to do a lot of misdirection. They're going to have to do a lot of sweeps. They're going to have to keep the Red Blacks on their toes because it's very intimidating to go up against that type of rush defense. And especially when, yeah, Hickson's been playing, but he hasn't been getting nearly as much carries as he's used to getting. So we'll see. And then we'll see what happens. Who's, who's behind him. We'll see if they get any, any, any touches and it might be a long night for, (laughs) for fans, especially the fans in Ottawa who haven't seen the riders since Right. Uh, so, Thomas Bertrand Houdon is uh, listed as the third stringer for the Riders, I assume, moving up to second string for Friday night's yeah. game. Maybe he does get a carry or two in the nation's capital, but it does look like this could be an opportunity for uh, Jake Dolagala to put up some nice numbers against an Ottawa secondary that has struggled at times this season. But which Rough Rider receiver is going? Is it going to be? In three of the past four games, Sean Bain Jr. has had nine targets. He seems to be the favorite target of Jake Dolagala. He's had, or he had two touchdowns last week. And him and Tevin Jones, well, over the next few games, they're candidates to cross the 1,000-yard barrier. But definitely, Sean Bain Jr. coming on since Dolagala picked up the starting gig for the Riders and uh, definitely seemed like a breakout season for him as he carves out a bigger role in the offense. Yeah. And I think this is what Rider fans have been looking for since they signed him in the off season. We were looking for that explosive threat, that, that replacement for like swerve. Uh, But 
And it's it's strange though because the first couple games that Dogallo's in there, Emilis was his target. Yeah. I don't know if maybe he's just getting the double teams or or what's happening there because he's definitely quieted down. So I I'd be looking for them to ignite Emilis a little bit more. And uh honestly, I think Jake's ready to go. I don't know like he's been practicing in full the past two weeks, so is like I don't think he's still in the sixth game. So I think maybe it's time to get him in and get that use use him as that possession receiver that they should be using him as. Like they've when he was in there, they've been trying to throw deep to him a lot, and I don't think that's Jake. Like I no, think that's not a Winicky strength. Him, I don't think no. No, you use him like with crossers across the field, your second down target, like the Andy Fantus, like Ben Cahoon. Like that's that's the guy that I at least envisioned we would have when we signed Jake. So hopefully, I don't know if they're just saving him till the playoffs, but if they don't get him in there to knock off the rust, then what's the point? Ottawa Red Blacks experiencing a little bit of injury problems as well, including Lewis Ward. Uh, I guess another negative from the long kick at BC Place. We saw him try to make a tackle, and he was shaking his arm. He did look hurt. Uh, looks like a torn pack. So Lewis Ward is out for the rest of the season. Uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks have signed two kickers. We're going to see who's going to be getting the starting nod for Friday night. And also Nate Bahar has been ruled out of the lineup for the Ottawa Red Blacks. The, the last few games, or at least last week, They've really looked Justin Hardy's way. There hasn't been the big breakout for Jalen Acklin like last year, but Justin Hardy has been a target monster for the Red Blacks and had a nice one last week. We'll see what happens Friday night at TD Place where the Riders are two-point favorites. So obviously the money says this one is going to be a close one as well. The second half of the Friday night doubleheader has the BC Lions as six-point favorites over the Edmonton Elks, and both teams have a lot to play for. Edmonton is playing just for the slim hope of getting into the playoffs. Basically, if they lose, it looks pretty impossible. But BC, they, they can still finish first, and a BC win or a Calgary loss will clinch a playoff spot for the Lions. A BC win and a Saskatchewan loss will actually clinch a home playoff game for Winnipeg. Edmonton's 4-2 and two in their last six. They're fourth in the power rankings if you like to follow what's been going on there. And Sheldon, that is the highest they've been since 2019 in the power rankings. The magic of Trey Ford, brother. Yeah, like honestly, like I said last week or on Sunday that this is that game that I've been waiting for. This is the game that I would love in the Grey Cup, Trey Ford versus Vernon Adams Jr. So we're getting it this week. And usually when we get these matchups and we get super excited, it turns out, you know, not as great as we hope. But I, I really hope that we have like a shootout, like a 54-50 game where these guys are just lighting each other off. And uh, I, I'm excited. I got Trey Ford as my quarterback. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, it goes. Well, I think the big question here, and I think one of the most intriguing matchups in this game, is the Elks' rushing attack against the BC Lions' rush defense. They are a formidable force to run the ball against. And Trey Ford has really opened up the rushing attack for Kevin Brown as well. 
are they going to be able to have the same success against the BC Lions? If they don't, Trey's going to have to beat him with his arm, but he did pull that off against Calgary uh, a couple of weeks yeah. ago in the Labor Day rematch. But that is a big one to watch. I've got Kevin Brown in my lineup. He's got over 600 yards in his past six games. When defenses are watching Trey, that definitely helps his cause. But how do you oh, see yeah. uh, Edmonton being able to, well, Trey's so special. I feel like <laughs> they He's have to contain Vick him. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they have to contain him. And, and if, if Betts can get back on his game and seal up the end, that's going to be huge. If he can, if he, if they can contain him and you, you have that guy spying so that when you when you have him contained on the on the wide side and you know he's going to run around to the other side, if you have that other linebacker kind of sitting there waiting for him to come, I know that's a perfect scenario. But yeah, like that's what they need to do. They, they need to be fancy. They need to be uh, sticking in their positions and their assignments, making sure that they they do what they need to do. Because look what happened to the Riders last week. Yeah, yeah, it, it's tough. I think to. Keep it up for four quarters. <laughs> oh, if, yeah, for sure. If you've been able to do it for half the game and it falls apart in the second half, none of it matters. So uh, yeah. doing it for a full 60 minutes is is tough. And the Lions need to do it for a full 60 minutes. Not every single week are you going to be able to come back from three scores down and uh, come back and win a game. It's electric to watch. I understand it. But there has been a little bit of inconsistency over the past few weeks from the BC Lions, uh, especially on uh, offense, I think. The defense not on the historic pace they were uh, during the summertime. And I, I just wonder if it a lot of it has to do with the absence of number 19. Uh, Dominic Rimes is such a dominant force when he's in the lineup. He's a touchdown machine. He makes these circus catches all the time. He was limited in practice this week. He has been ruled out for the Friday night game at Commonwealth Stadium. But we should be seeing his return very soon for the Lions. And that will be a big addition. But uh, I've seen it more and more. They're starting to get uh, Javon Katoy more involved in the Lions offense, which is kind of hilarious to see because he is twice the size of any DB that tries to tackle him. And even Lucky Whitehead is getting more involved in that Lions offense. Hey, Justin McInnes had the big week last week as well, and you still have Hollins and Hatcher. So even without number 19, they do have a good receiving core in BC, but their big, big struggle is them running the ball. It has just evaporated over the past few weeks. I don't even know if they've really committed to it, to be honest, and that has to be a big thing. They have to keep <laughs> Trey and the Elks off the field because the more they're on the field, the more opportunities they have to have these big electric plays that just change the game just like that. So sustained yeah. drives for BC is a key, I think, on Friday night. Oh, huge. And because the Elks, they in the past like two or three games, they've just murdered the other teams in the fourth quarter. Oh, like 34 nothing. nothing. They've outscored opponents yeah. in the fourth. And and I think that's just because Trey Ford's running around like a chicken with his head cut off and <laughs> he's tiring them down and they're but they're sustaining drives and and they're even they're bringing in that trick play like they've already got two 
AC Leonard has two touchdowns. Like anytime Cornelius comes in for short yardage, now all the I know. have to keep him honest and they have to pull at least one or two guys off the line to get ready for that, right? So uh, for Elks fans, it's got to be so frustrating. Like it's ha- you're happy now that this is happening, but it's got to be so frustrating that they couldn't do this early in the year because if they're playing like this from, you know, game two or three after you kind of see what you have in Cornelius, like I guarantee you they'd be ahead of the Riders right now and they'd be in that third spot just just because of how they're playing and, yeah, and the yeah. offense that Darius Jackson's running. Well, let's talk about E.C. Leonard. I know he's got the catches, of course, and I think quietly here, he's second in the CFL in sacks. There are only two guys that have double-digit sacks. They're both in this game. Matthew Betts, one of them, and A.C. Leonard has 10 sacks. I, I feel like it's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. Jake Ceresna on the other end, he has eight himself, so that probably helps A.C.'s cause a little bit here. And Jamin Pelly being back on the D-line, that definitely helps those uh, defensive ends in Edmonton. But A.C. Leonard is quietly having a really nice year, and I don't know if he's getting the accolades he deserves so far this season. So V.A. and the Lions are going to need to be watching for A.C. Leonard, hey, even on short yardage as well. (laughs) One note on the B.C. Lions, they've signed linebacker Josh Patrician out of Pittsburgh. Bola Combo, he's on the six-game injury list right now. I think that's a big loss for the B.C. Lions defense and uh, have to adjust the ratio a little bit as well since Bo is a great Canadian linebacker right now. Josh Woods getting the opportunity at linebacker. For the BC Lions, either way, Friday night, that West Division matchup is going to be a fun one to watch. Let's talk Saturday. (laughs) I think a tight game here. The Montreal Alouettes, one-point favorites over the Calgary Stampeders. The Stamps coming off the bye here. Teams have been successful off the bye so far in 2023. (laughs) I was looking at... Calgary's schedule because I was like, well, I, I think they do have a shot to make the playoffs, but they got the Alouettes here. And then Calgary has Hamilton, who has really sort of kind of turned it on lately. And Calgary's on by again. Then they have uh, Saskatchewan. And then they have the Lions. And then they have the Bombers. <laughs> so. <laughs> Both BC and Winnipeg could be playing for first the last couple of weeks of the year. So the Stamps, yeah, they've got a tough schedule ahead. Although the stats do say Edmonton's schedule for the rest of the way is the toughest in the CFL. We'll have to be watching Sean Lemon, who probably comes into this game with a bit of a chip on his shoulder, the most outstanding defensive player out of the West last year. Of course, Lorenzo Malden in Ottawa ended up winning the award, but Lemon gets signed by Montreal this summer. He's been playing great ball, and you know he's going to have Jake Mayer in his sights Saturday at McMahon. Oh, yeah. He's he's had this game marked on his schedule for a while because that's – I know Lemon's up there in age, but that's – that's just disrespect when you're not going to re-sign your most outstanding defensive player. Uh, yeah, he's. It just we'll have to see if he can keep his head on because you know he's he's had issues where he's you know let other players take him out of his game a little bit. Uh, so 
he's going to be super amped up and hopefully for his sake, he can get the job done. And for, you know, my sake, cause I'm a rider. So I would <laughs> like Montreal to win. Sean Lemon is three sacks away from 100 career sacks. Definitely one of the best pass rushers of his generation. And we sit here now four and nine, the Calgary Stampeders letting Sean Lemon walk, letting all-star left tackle Derek Dennis walk, and left tackle has been an area of struggle for the Stamps this year. I know there have been some injuries there that probably make them put out an offensive line that they uh, didn't expect to uh, at the beginning of the year, but man, (laughs) those Stamps are going to need to go on quite the run if they do want to get into the playoffs here. But the good news is is that Kadeem Carey is healthy. He's practicing in full, coming off a bye week, and I think they're going to need to lean on him a little bit in this one. The Stamps are actually seventh in rush offense this season. The only teams behind the Stampeders are the Riders and the Lions, but for a lot of the year, they haven't had Kadeem Carey in there, and He's such a talent, and man, he looks like something from the future with that crazy helmet that he's wearing. I don't know if you ever played this game on Super Nintendo, <laughs> robot like baseball. I feel like he would fit oh, yeah, in there as yeah. a football player, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, those lids are crazy. Like Cam Judge wears one too, and uh, I always love seeing the new designs. Usually, like one or two players has some sort of new design every year, and it's like. I think yeah, they're cool. Are, they're cool, but they're they're weird looking. But yeah, they, they are, are cool. Like the the thicker bars on the face mask. It just. But hey, if, if that's what's keeping the players safe and they look a little meaner too, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, there's been some injury problems in the back end of Calgary's defense this week. Trey Roberson had an interesting tweet. Uh, he ended up saying something like there's no loyalty left anymore, which is interesting. Uh, Trey Roberson has been getting the tough assignments uh, against the uh, short side uh, wide receiver. In And you look at the teams across the CFL, that spot are some incredible guys like Geno Lewis, Kenny Lawler, and the list goes on. That has been the assignment that Trey Roberson has been picking up this season, and I think he's he's done all right. We haven't said his name a lot, which sometimes is pretty good for a defensive back. Uh, veteran Shaq Richardson was recently signed to the Stampeders. He had a punt block in his first game back. He hasn't practiced this week either. If we look to Montreal, their offensive lineman, Christian Matt, veteran with the line, he uh, got hurt last week. He hasn't practiced this week. And if we want to talk running game, I'm actually shocked that Montreal is above Calgary, Saskatchewan, BC. They're kind of middle of the pack with their running game. But if Cody Vajardo is getting 30, 40 yards a game, I guess that kind of helps the rushing attack as well. But William Stanback back practicing this week after missing last week. How do they get this guy going? All the play for him to run the ball. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's what Jason Moss seems to struggle with all the time. That's true. He doesn't call. Doesn't call running plays, but 
if there is a game and it's it's a time that for them to use William Stanbeck to his full potential, this is the time. Like it's it's what you need to do, uh, especially because I think Cody is he's getting back into that mindset where he was with Saskatchewan, where things weren't going right, and he just feels he has to put everything on his shoulders and he has to you know do everything, and, and he's just trying yeah. too hard. I think he needs he needs to trust his teammates to make the catches. He needs to trust his his linemen to make the blocks, but when you've been sacked as many times as he has, you yeah. know, two, three seasons in a row, like how can you blame the guy for being gun shy and have happy feet in the pocket? Because he knows that he, if he doesn't get that ball out in two or three seconds, he has to scramble and he does that stupid little turny thing. And <laughs> I still like, I still don't know how he hasn't been buck pierced yet. From that. Like <laughs> I'm glad he hasn't, but yeah. I, I just don't know how, how he hasn't, but hopefully he can calm down. He can, you know, use his targets. He Tyson Philpot is uh, is back, and he it looks like he's shut. He's he's got the rust off after his injury, and hopefully he is a a big game uh, for them. You know, Austin Matt. They they have the tools. Like they need to put it all together, and they need to be able to run the ball to set up that pass and that play action later on in the game. Austin Mack back into the lineup last week for the Alouettes. He's the first receiver in the CFL to eclipse 1,000 yards. And Tyson Philpott last week, 11 targets, 9 catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Tyson Philpott, very familiar with McMahon Stadium as he played for the U of C Dinos. He's got 260 yards and a touchdown on the year, and a lot of them came last week. Maybe he's going to be a key member of that Alouette's offense down the stretch. It only helps him when Kayon Julian Grant's in there, when Austin Mack's in there, and they've also got... Uh, Cole Speaker and Tyler Sneed. Like, those guys are making plays for the Alouettes. And it seems at times this season, the short pass has become the run game for the Alouettes. But what about Jake Mayer? I feel like over the past few weeks, Jake has gotten better and played better. He's still only 26 years old. And I guess Dave Dickinson has been more involved in the, uh, play calling as of late, but in the last three games for Jake Mayer, he's got six touchdowns and one interception. Four of the touchdowns did come against Toronto. One of the interceptions was on Labor Day, a game that Jake still won, but he also had 387 yards against the Argos, 315 yards against the uh, Elks on Labor Day, and then 210 against the Elks but I think that one might have been uh, a bit more play calling. He still had two touchdowns and no interceptions on that one. So that touchdown to pat or interception ratio has improved over the last little while for Jake Mayer. It's going to have to stay good if they're going to beat the uh, Alouettes. And he does have some veteran receivers to lean on. Reggie Bagleton, Mark and Michelle among that receiving core. I've got Reggie in my lineup this week. I just think coming off the bye and the Stampeders have their playoff lives to play for. So we're going to see what happens Saturday at McMahon. I think I had a little bit of an issue with a certain listener a little earlier in the season here, Darren. And I think, I think obviously I've proven wrong about Jake, not all the way, but he's certainly improving. And 
listen, Dave Dickinson obviously knows what he's doing and he knows quarterback talent and there's a reason they moved on from both. So, so Jake Mayer obviously has the tools and he's, he's definitely been improving. So it's too bad for Stampeders fans that that wasn't the case at the beginning of the season. Um, but I will eat my crow, Darren, again. Mayor's doing well. Uh, I just hope he doesn't do too well this week. Beer battered and deep fried crow sounds good to Sheldon. Now, <laughs> I'm not always the betting kind, but the Ticats is nine and a half point underdogs against the Argos this weekend, a team that already has first lined up against the team that they've lost against a lot lately. The Ticats are one in six in their last seven against the Argonauts. I think I like the Ticats plus nine and a half Saturday night. Yeah. uh, If, if you're gambling, I think it's going to be closer than that. I do still think Toronto wins, but I don't know if they're winning by 10 points. Um, I think kind of for the rest of the season here, it's going to be if Toronto gets up on teams, they're going to start switching out some players. If Toronto gets down on teams, they're going to start switching out some players. Like you don't want to start rest. Like you still have the last third of the season here. Plus you're going to have an extra, extra week by in the playoffs. So you can't go too quickly, but at the same time, we've seen teams rest players and it bite them in the ass when it gets to playoff time. So, um, It'll be very interesting to see. I know, like, it's a rivalry game, so you know Toronto doesn't want to lose to Hamilton, and you know they don't want them to be in the playoffs. They don't want them to have a chance to be playing for the Grey Cup at home. So uh, I still think the Argos are going to be fired up for this game. I, but Hamilton has been dramatically improving. They're the Eastern Elks now, I guess, because they they beat the Lions. They beat the Bombers. They're, they're trending upwards. So... Um, yeah, but I, I do think it's going to be a closer game. I don't think Toronto runs away with it. So so if you are a betting man taking the Ticats for the points, I think is a solid choice. And the the Cats, well, the Argos, they had an inconsistent uh, start against Montreal. Yeah. And uh, I think if they come out like that, they're, they're in tough against uh, the Cats who are on a Bit of a roll. Taylor Powell has been playing some really, I think, good football for the Ticats. Yeah. He's not really uh, turning the ball over. He's <laughs> making the plays he needs to make. They've got Tim White involved in the offense. Terry Godwin is making plays. I, <laughs> I, think, I think they're a team a to watch, man. I, yeah. I, I really do. And they've unveiled their... Uh, um, indigenous inspired logo this week. Um, and I think it looks incredible. I think all of oh. the logos that the CFL teams have done up for uh, this initiative are are awesome. And I, I think we need to see more of them on merch, more of these logos used off in that Ticats one. Damn, it's cool. <laughs> and I guess they are going to be selling them on uh, T-shirts. The Ticat ones, um, 
they're going to be donated to the Hamilton Regional Indian Center. So that is awesome that they are uh, doing that. The Ticats are going to be hosting the stamps next week on the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. We get to see the logo here, and these ones are are really nice, Sheldon. I know you're a fan of them too. Oh, yeah. Like This is something that the league needs to get on. They need to (laughs) direct their teams, all of them, to get a local indigenous artist to make a logo for them, get a merch line out there, hats, t-shirts, bunny hugs, whatever. And because a lot of people are going to buy them. The logos are so sick, especially like the lions, the elks, like the bombers one is awesome with the star blanket. Uh, Like it's, it's something super positive, you know, Diversity is strength. They went on that. Back, they went on that back in the day, and and it still holds true today. And they could they could do so much good. They could raise a lot of money for these charities. All the local First Nations charities could get a little piece of the pie here, and just help spread the awareness of the truth and reconciliation because it's such a good cause, and it just creates it gives you it gives the fan bases that want to spend that money on something that looks awesome like that and it's just a perfect cause to do it yeah i've even seen some fan concepts there's one on yeah. x i think argo fluffy i think is uh, mm-hmm. his handle yeah. he's this done is, a, this was awesome yeah he's done a couple argo concepts i i think they look incredible but Sheldon, I love when the Saskatchewan comes out in you. So don't go spilling any Vico on that bunny hug anytime soon. All right, buddy. Don't spill the Vico. It's good. Oh, <laughs> uh, the Argos. Uh, if we talk about the front office, the good news, the good times keep rolling, and why not? They keep extending. Uh, those names, special teams coordinator Mickey Donovan has been extended, and why the heck not? Look at the success that Javon Leak has had returning kicks this season and any time he's in the blocking lineup. Kicks. Yeah, Don't forget about all blocking, the blocking kicks, kicks you're right. Yeah. yeah, special teams, they, their special teams is playing at like a level of when like Mike O'Shea was their special teams coordinator. Yeah, like, you're right. They're, they're, that's a fantastic resign. Uh, General Manager Pinball Clements also has been extended, and why the heck not? 11-1 and one on the season. Um, but if we talk about this week, we haven't seen receiver Cam Phillips at practice. We haven't seen uh, Andrew Harris at practice as well. We saw him on the sideline last week. Looks like maybe the knee got hyperextended a little bit. He was trying yeah. to jog it off, so... Uh, he's probably not going to be playing here, but the Argos do have options at uh, running back. They get another Canadian, Daniel Adababoye, and they also have a uh, newcomer that we saw get into the lineup last week with uh, his name being Deonta McMahon. Uh, he's listed on their website on the practice squad, but he was there uh, on the roster last week making plays, so they still do have options there, unfortunately. Um, Well, not unfortunately, fortunately uh, for the Argos. (laughs) They've got uh, options there. And then your boy, maybe our boy, the legendary A.J. Olette. I mean, uh, you got to grow that mullet back. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh yeah, it's coming back for next year. I'll I'll dye it blonde too. I want to see that. Like, I'm all in. You know how like Tyler was all in on, or Tyrell was all in on Kenny the King Lawler. Like I, I'm all in on on Bullet here. Like let's go. Okay, if you dye the the mullet blonde, would you have to dye the beard too, or would you go ginger beard and blonde? <laughs> Never know until you try. I gotta see I'd this. I put the ginger. I put the blonde and then get get the Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Go. I can do that. Let's, Argos win the Grey Cup. I'll do it. Whoa! You heard it here first. Be- you have to know, man, that bets made on this show happen. Just yeah, ask well, Brazilian guy. I'm not dumb enough to bet that I'll get a Brazilian. So, <laughs> there. Okay, you heard it here first. I, go Argos, baby. Uh, go Argos. <laughs> well, but this game against the Ticats, I I just feel like spotting the Argos 10 points in the betting line, I, I might put a, I don't know, a toonie down on this or something like that. If we do look at the Ticats injury report. James Butler was back practicing in full on Wednesday after being limited on Tuesday. Offensive lineman Joel Figueroa hasn't practiced this week, but we know with the success that the Argos have had against the run, they are are dominant. Four yards a carry. They're the best rush defense in the CFL. They're the only team not to have given up a 1,000 yards rushing on the season, although they're done with their bye weeks, so maybe that does play into it a little bit here, playing uh, less games than some teams. But their front against the run is is very, very tough. And uh, we see that Dwayne Hendricks hasn't practiced, defensive lineman for the Argos. Maybe they uh, are rewarding him with that block kick. Uh, against Montreal last week, but uh, that would be a hit to the D-line. But uh, I used to think that if the Ticats can't get James Butler going, they're not going to win. But the last couple weeks have shown me that Taylor Powell has what it takes to get it done, even if they don't have a dominant rushing attack. Yeah, he's he's been willing games. He's kind of like, he's reminding me of the 2019 Cody Fajardo where burst onto the scene and he's just he's pulling pulling whatever he needs to do to win games and he's putting his body on the line he's taking monster hits when he's throwing the ball he's standing in the pocket not sliding which is not very smart for him but <laughs> uh but no he he's a gamer and like like I think we talked about it before but like him Dola Gala Trey Ford Possibly Crumb. Jerry's kind of still out on if Crumb's the real deal or not. But like we were talking before about how quarterbacking was a weak point in the CFL, and maybe we're getting that change of the guard where now we're gonna you know have these younger guys start to be elite, and maybe we have the next crop of Bo, Mike, Anthony, Derry, and and can can power this this league forward for the next ten years. Man, I, I look at the Argos pass defense stats. They actually are allowing quarterbacks to have the best completion percentage against their defense. 73% yeah. 
is uh, what the Argos are giving up. 301.7 yards a game. I talked about Jake Mayer, his big game against uh, the Argos. They did lose that game, but Taylor Powell has an opportunity to have a nice game here against the Argos. And uh, like I said, Ty Cats plus nine and a half. I probably am wrong. I am pro- more often than not, but <laughs> I feel good about it, even if I am wrong uh, that way. <laughs> the CFL Podcast Fantasy League, speaking of clinching playoff spots, I have clinched a playoff spot here. So congratulations to me. I do have a matchup this week against Joe Pritchard, friend of the show, Rouge White and Blue CFL Podcast. So best of luck to Joe. And if I look over my lineup, Zero dollars left, man. Zero dollars left. Jake Mayer, that's my quarterback. He's my quarterback this week. Uh, My running backs, Kevin Brown of the Edmonton Elks, Devontae Williams of the Ottawa Red Blacks. I've got Reggie Bagleton as my WR1. I've got Terry Godwin as my WR2. I've got Sean Bain Jr. in my flex. And I have the Calgary Stampeders defense here, hoping for a couple sacks against Cody Fajardo to get those numbers up a little bit. What's your lineup looking like, man? Uh, We got a few similarities here. So my quarterback is Trey Ford. And he's also my captain. I did not make Olet my captain. But I still have Olet. He's (laughs) one of my running backs. Kadeem Carey, uh, you know, he's only $7,000, and I think the rust is off. I think it's time for him to have a good game against Montreal, especially at home here. My receivers, I got uh, Keon Hatcher and Austin Mack, and my flex, Reggie Bagleton, and the Calgary Stampeders defense. There we go. Week 16 in the CFL season is here Let's look at the matchups one more time. Riders at Red Blacks, Lions at Elks, Alouettes at Stampeders, and Ticats at Argos. During the course of the show, I think I've wanted to change a few of my picks here, and I just might. I'm going to take Ottawa over the Riders. I'm going to take the Lions over the Elks. I'm going to take the Stamps over the Owls. And I'll take the Argos over the Ticats. But if I was given that 9.5 points, I would take the Ticats in the spread. But the overall winner, the Argos. Sheldon, who are you taking? Okay, well, I have I got the road teams winning on Friday. So I have, I have Saskatchewan and BC winning. And I have the home teams winning on Saturday, Calgary and Toronto. I love that. Let us know who you think is going to win the games in Week 16 in the comments. You can rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. You can like and subscribe on YouTube as well, and you can support the show on Patreon. Of course, if you are a member of the Touchdown tier, you get early access to all of the episodes hours before anyone else gets them. Sheldon Jones, enjoy week 16 in the CFL. Thanks for being here, buddy. I'm Travis Curry. We'll talk to you next week to recap week 16 of CFL action. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 